You're now listening to Your Real Money Stories podcast. My husband is of the opinion of your kids need to be dripped, like they need to be wearing the the, the, the nicest designer items. I'm less like that. Um, but what what he's realised, I think, is that kids grow very, very quickly. So buying them designer stuff is only for your vanity, really. It's only to show people that you have the money. It doesn't really mean anything to the child. Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we are The The Money Money Medics. And we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So today we'll be talking about children and finances and whether or not you should be having children if you feel you can't afford it. So this is considering that the average cost of raising a child is £74,000 for a couple and just over £102,000 for a lone parent. And this is according to Money Advice Service, so I'm not making this up. But this is also not even including childcare as well. So with this podcast, there'll be three sections. First section, we'll hear about a personal story from our anonymous guest. Then we'll discuss our own opinions amongst the money medics. And then we'll have really useful tips and resources towards the end. So today we have Amy joining us and she will be our anonymous guest. And of course, that's not her real name. So we're definitely keeping her anonymous. So Amy, you were just telling us about your child's language class not too long ago. So I sense that there's probably a lot of expenses in your household. But just tell us a just general backstory. So how many children do you have and how old are they? So I have two children, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. They're at the age where, is that the age of a two-year-old? Isn't that the terrible twos where they start to get a little bit naughty? Uh, yeah, definitely going through that at the moment. Tantrums, demanding everything under the sun. So yeah, we're in that zone right now. Oh, that's cute. Um, what do you think is your biggest cost so far regarding your children? Um, definitely childcare is the biggest cost so my two-year-old goes to nursery at the moment two days a week because we're in lockdown typically if we weren't in lockdown then it would be five days a week and full-time nursery is about a thousand four hundred a month um yeah it's <laughs> the cost of a mortgage for most mad. people um and when my six-year-old went to nursery he went full-time for five years so in a year, he costs about £16,000 a year. Whoa. So just shy of £70,000 for the five years that he went to, to, to nursery. That's like, that's, like private, that's like private school fees. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Literally, because most private schools are maybe roughly, well, some are like uh, around like £6,000 a term. And that's like the really top one. So mm. wow, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so I would say that's probably the most expensive, especially in the early years. Um, that's mm. the early years are when they're probably the most expensive, and that's like a lot of people's salaries after tax as well. So in some cases, mm. it's actually cheaper for you to just not work if you rather than having mm. to pay nursery fees. Yeah, and I guess you can see why some people will make that decision, especially if you're in a two-parent household where you know it costs more for 
both of you to go to work and pay for childcare than just for one person to stay at home and look after the children. But obviously the opportunity cost of doing that can be quite high in the long term, which is why some people are willing to just stick it out and pay the fees um, until the children get to four or five when they go to nursery, uh, sorry, primary school. When you say opportunity cost, like, what do you mean by that in terms of people sticking out? Yeah, so, you know, for example, if you had to... If you had a two-parent household and one person was earning more than the other and then mm. one said, okay, I'm going to sit at home and look after the kids for five years, um, the, the loss of income for that five years for that particular individual depends on, you know, what they're earning. But also career-wise, it can set them mm. back, and which means that they have to catch up, you know, and obviously times move very quickly in the world. So the skills that they had when their child was born versus what the skills that they will need when the child goes to primary school and no longer needs them as intensely, they have to play a lot of catch-up. So some people are like, I'd rather go through the pain of paying such expensive childcare just to stay in the workforce so that I don't become redundant, so to speak. And then by the time your children do go to school where you don't have to pay, then you're kind of in the market and you can start, you know, sort of reaping the rewards of sticking it out, essentially. So many different numbers, you know, and it's like, it's actually giving me some form of anxiety listening to those numbers. No, no, but honestly, because it's like, even when you look at the numbers after tax, even if you're on 50k or 60k per annum, it's still a lot of like, when you, even when you combine the two together, it's still a lot of money like in the initial years, regardless of how much you're even saving initially. So like mm. when you kind of factor that in, in retrospect, do you think you and your husband were, were financially ready for, for children? And, and if so, why? Yeah, it's a good question. So th the honest truth is no, I don't think we were financially ready. I don't think we were financially aware of the cost of children. Um, and I think that's primarily based on what we saw growing up. So I'm the oldest of I think five siblings and growing up I my parents didn't really put my siblings in childcare because the age gap between us was such that you know someone was always old enough to look after the the younger one so my parents I never saw my parents putting my siblings in childcare so we never I never understood the cost of childcare mm. um, and similarly for my husband that wasn't his experience so when we had children we just thought it was nappies clothes feeding them which is also quite expensive because they grow very quickly and those things like nappies are not cheap. Mm, um, a child exactly. can go through four, five, six nappies in a day, um, depending on their age. But things like the nursery costs um, and, you know, all these extracurricular activities wasn't something that was visible to me growing up. And then when we, when we decided to have children, we weren't aware of those things. So it's not until the situation arose that we had to start thinking about that, about that, that we realised that, you know, taking a child to nursery is essentially the same amount as, you know, what you pay for rent or a mortgage or, you know, as, as someone mentioned, that someone's take-home salary in a month. So we weren't prepared and it, it hit us quite hard, the reality. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. So there was a time um, a few months ago when Nick and I were reading through how many nappies a child goes through a day. <laughs> you know, I was actually under the impression that they have like, maybe they do like one poo a day, like, you know, or maybe like one every other day, like adults. And like maybe we like maybe a few times a day. But a newborn baby, I read that they can go through 10 nappies a day. 
yeah. like newborns and i was like what like what, the, what the I, I, and they don't have diarrhea or anything what type of yeah this is just normal i was thinking what type of gi system is this that you're having to go to the toilet ten times a day like yeah but it's crazy how many expenses that you don't really think about until you actually need to start thinking about it but like mm. in your opinion because now i mean you said that you weren't financially prepared for children so in your opinion what does it actually mean to be financially prepared like how much do you need what do, what do you need to do beforehand i think the honest truth is you you can't Okay, that's you can be financially prepared for children, but I think being financially aware is is more important. Mm. You can have uh, you know as much in the bank account as you want. You know you can you can save a thousand pounds a month before you have kids to cover childcare fees for the next five years, and then heaven forbid one of you loses your job, and then you have to eat into that. So you can never fully have a pot of money that can prepare you for whatever eventuality I think financial awareness of how much children cost is more important because then it informs your decision on how many children you want to have you know if you are going to have multiple children how do you space them out it also makes you think about the quality of life that you want your children to have and consequently where you want to live and all those kind of stuff so I think being financially aware of the costs of children at a very rudimentary level so the things like the nappies and the clothes etc but also the child care also do you want your child to be fluent in x many languages what's the cost of you know a french lesson or a spanish lesson do you want them to be musically able so just being aware of the cost of these things allows you to plan the big picture but you know with inflation and you know your changes in your personal circumstances i don't think you can say we are not going to have children until we have x amount in the bank account because life happens right but at least if you're aware of the cost of having children you can make more informed decisions um and then it just means that you are less inconvenienced by having children because I'm going to be honest with you, children are an inconvenience. They are never a convenience. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you can be less inconvenienced because you're kind of prepared for those eventualities. Based on like, you know, being armed with that knowledge, did you do things differently when like with like your second child? Yeah, absolutely. So the age gap between my kids is intentional. It's not by accident. It's by design because... I was not prepared to have two children in nursery at the same time. That's almost £3,000 a month on childcare I would have had to be paying. So the, the fact that there's the age gap between them is intentional to prevent overlap in spending. And I actually have a spreadsheet, because I'm such a, a geek, forecasting how much my children are going to cost up until they leave for university, or when, sorry, when they leave university, and how that varies into their secondary years and their university, and how much they're going to cost me and my husband when they're at university. So I know when the expenses overlap. <laughs> And I know when we need to, you know, save a bit more and, you know, save a bit less, etc. So with our second child, because we had gone through that experience, we knew that we needed to be prepared, not just for the formative years, but also right up to when they are not so dependent on us, which in, in our estimation is, you know, once they finish university, it's like we've done our bit now. But apart from external costs, like, you know, childcare, etc. What else do you spend on your, like, how do you spend on your children? So like, I know there are some parents that tend to spend a lot on like other things, like material things and things like that. How do you and your husband uh, spend in, in that aspect? <laughs> My husband 
is of the opinion of your kids need to be dripped like they need to be wearing the the, the, the nicest design <laughs> items I'm less like that um but what what he's realized I think is that kids grow very very quickly so buying them designer stuff is only for your vanity really it's only to show people that you have the money it doesn't really mean anything to the child so I would rather spend money on what can actually enrich them and improve them as a person so for people that don't know drip means basically just designer designer clothes (laughs) like looking good (laughs) so what type of things did your husband buy for your was your children what are the like most expensive designer or drip items that he bought for them god um so i the the joke is so my my son has about five six pairs of timberland boots Mm. um must be nice i mean like these are not like Tim, they're like they've they're customized. They have his name on it. Oh. They're in different colors. It's ridiculous, quite frankly. Um, so, but my husband likes that kind of thing. He has like very expensive Air Jordans. Um, he has most of his like shirts and jumpers are from like Ralph Lauren, and yeah, it's nice. They look nice, but he rolls around on the floor in these clothes. Like when he goes out, he's you know it's. It, Clothes for children need to be durable and they need to be able to withstand anything. And his perception is because it's expensive, it's better quality, which is not necessarily the case. So I would say his Timberland collection is pretty impressive. Um, His Ralph Lauren collection is pretty impressive. He also has a couple watches from Swatch. Mm. I don't know why he needs watches from Swatch. (laughs) (laughs) But I find them ridiculous. But, you know, for my husband, it's what makes him happy. And that's what he likes to do for his kids. So I just let him get on with it, to be honest. Why do you think, like, in terms of, like, you and your husband's beliefs when it comes to spending, you know, on your kids? Like, why do you think they're different? Um, I think it's a combination of upbringing and just like the the societies that we grew up in. So, you know, my husband and I were both African, we're both Nigerian, but he grew up in Nigeria, I grew up in the UK. And I think Nigerians have this very like export is always better mindset. So anything that comes from the abroad is always better than anything that's homegrown. So when he moved to the UK, it was like, because it's so easily accessible now, I have to have it. And then obviously for him, growing up, there was they had access to designer things. But obviously because there was, his parents had quite, you know, a lot of kids and stuff like that, money had to be distributed a lot more um, efficiently. You can't just be buying designer kids for six, seven kids. So being able to do that for his children and being able to buy those designer things for his children, I feel like it's kind of living vicariously through them for some of the things that he wished he had growing up if that makes sense um so I think that's where I think that's where his perception of like what's quality and what's not quality comes from whereas for me like I think gap trainers are like perfectly fine I think Tesco F&F is perfectly fine I think Asda George is perfectly fine (laughs) but he will say to me don't dress my children in that rubbish (laughs) so yeah that's that's where I think the perception comes from so then mm. in terms of like, you know, that, you know, beliefs and ideas that like you both have um, when it comes to spending money, when I look on social media, sometimes I see that like, you know, some parents, they maybe get themselves into debt to buy their children clothes or, you know, during the Christmas period, like, you know, they'll like rack up credit cards and take out like store cards to get stuff for their children. You know, what's your opinion on that? 
I mean, my opinion on getting into debt to buy your child a Christmas present, I don't, I don't think that's a sensible way to spend your money. Personally, I understand that, you know, Christmas is a very emotive time for people. And unfortunately, the like the sentiment of Christmas and the values of Christmas has kind of been commercialized to the point where you feel obliged to buy things that you can't afford. So I don't think it, it, it's a sensible thing to put yourself in financial ruin just to acquire things for your children. I understand why people feel that pressure to keep up because we live in a social media time where everybody's putting the best image of themselves online everybody's showing you their highlight reel everyone's showing you the latest car and their latest bag and where they went on holiday so I do understand where that pressure to keep up with the Joneses comes from back in the day you kept up with the Joneses next door like your neighbors but now you can keep you feel like you have to keep up with the Joneses that are like not even in the same country as you because people are so easily accessible so I understand the pressure but I you know I don't think it's a good thing to put yourself in debt to buy things for your kids I think what's more important is to teach your children the value of you know the little things that don't cost an arm and a leg the best Christmas gift that my son received last year well, last year, by I mean last year, I mean twenty twenty December cost ten pounds. Like it literally cost ten pounds, um, and it's like I'm not gonna kill myself trying to buy you things that you're gonna play with once and not touch it again for a year. Do you understand what I mean? So it's like kind of enforcing that thing of I'm not gonna spend ridiculous amounts of money to prove that I love my children. Like you provide them with a home, you provide them with love, you provide them with safety, you feed them, you make sure that they're emotionally cared for. That's more important than spending two, three hundred pounds on the latest gadget. And will the child be upset? Of course they will be. Will they throw a tantrum? Of course they will be. But within an hour, two hours a day, they'll forget about it. But you're still there six months later paying off this debt that you couldn't afford. So we just need to apply a bit of sense and like reprioritize you know, who am I doing this for? Is is this thing that I'm about to put myself in debt for actually to make my child happy? Or is it so that I can show to the Joneses that I can keep up with them? And that's where people have to be honest with themselves. But having said that your husband likes to kind of give, like, make sure they they look nice and stuff like that. Like, mm. How have you guys reconciled that? Because are you ever worried that he may be... He, he did that to a certain point. Maybe he's reduced the amount he does it, but have you ever been worried that maybe he's teaching the wrong approach about money to your children? And how have you guys reconciled your different approaches? Yeah, the answer to that is no, categorically. So I don't think the things that you buy your children necessarily, whether they're designer or very expensive things, is what affects their perception of money or how they see other people I think it's the values that you instill in them so for example when I went to university I was surrounded by people who came from very wealthy backgrounds um, people who wore Ugg boots like they were slippers people who wore you know Jack Wills jackets that were upwards of 200 pounds people whose school bag was like a Louis Vuitton never full like that's what I saw and I'm looking at them like how are you putting this Louis Vuitton on the floor like this is Louis Vuitton <laughs> but to them it was nothing and most of them were quite humble people they weren't bragging about what they had and I think what is apparent to me is that if you are exposed to and I'm not saying that 
you know, what, what I'm about to say is like one plus one equals two. But I feel like a lot of the people that I know that are truly wealthy people and people who have money and are not nouveau riche trying to just show off that they have something are quite humble in the way that they approach life and even though they will wear the most designer things and they live in the nicest houses and they drive the nicest cars they don't go about bragging about it um so i think it's more about the lessons that you teach your children about money and and whether or not that's synonymous with their value as a person and as long as you remind your children which we do that everything they have is a privilege it's not a right everything that they have access to is because we have worked incredibly hard to give it to them and just because somebody doesn't have those things doesn't mean they deserve less respect or they're less you know hard working or whatever I think that's the message that you need to reinforce in children so that they can detach their value from the material things that they have otherwise the moment they can't afford to have those things they automatically see themselves less than you mentioned like way in the beginning how um you decided to stick with two children so that you can Mm. give them a good lifestyle you can go on a holiday etc etc and of course that is your um opinion and your views but what do you think about parents that Uh, decide to have more children and they may not necessarily be able to have that flexibility with cash so maybe they might not be able to afford to have one room per child or Mm. or like go on you know holidays and things like that do you feel like they should also be restricting their their child's uh, numbers Mm, everybody's like aspiration for their life is different right so what's right for me might not be right for someone else some people might think that I do the most because my my child my children do so many extracurricular activities but that's what's right for me some people might feel like oh do you have to take your kids on holiday like everybody's benchmark of what's right for them is different what I do think is if you cannot provide the basics for a child and by basics I mean a roof over their head food on their food in their stomachs safety a warm place to, to sleep I really do think you need to rethink having children because children, I mean, my my mentality when it comes to kids is like, we are literally custodians of these little lives. And if we're going to bring them into this world, we have to make sure that we're giving them the best head start possible. I personally think people do need to think very long and hard about whether or not they can afford to have a child, but within the context of their circumstances, right? So if I have a child now, is it going to cripple me financially that I'm going to be relying on, you know, government aid in order for me to be able to eat? That doesn't mean that they they shouldn't have the human right to have kids, of course not, but think, like, ask yourself, does it make sense for me to have children now? If somebody is in debt, like severe levels of debt, does it make sense for you to bring a child into the world where you're already earning, you know, like an average income, your debt is very, very high, and then you want to bring a child into the world that needs nappies, clothes, childcare, all of these things. So it's a very sensitive topic, and I think definitely amongst, like, the Nigerian or African community it's very much like oh God will provide and all of this sentiment but the harsh reality of it is that yes God will provide but you know you have to help yourself in order for you know your prayers to be answered you can't just sit there and pray to God for a million pounds to land in your lap when you're not doing the work so we have to be less selfish about 
I just want to have a child and think about what is the consequences I'm having? Why am I having this child? And what kind of life is this child going to have? And some people do have children. You know, I grew up seeing some of this stuff. Some people did have children to advance themselves. So there were people who would have multiple children so that the, the, the council would move them into a bigger property. There were people who would have multiple children because actually you get more child tax credits as a result of that. So there are people who actively pursue large number of kids for that very purpose but if that's not the kind of person you are so if somebody's thinking of having kids and you're not trying to run the system and you're not trying to benefit off the government by having children ask yourself what kind of standard of living do I want for my child and does my current financial situation or does my situation in the next year two three four years will that allow me to give that child that standard of living? And if the answer is no, then it's left for them to make the call about whether or not they want to take that risk. But for me, if I wasn't financially able to look after my children, I'll be blunt with you. If I knew what I did six years ago, how expensive children were, I would wait. I would have waited before I had children. I would have made sure that my finances were in check to a certain point I would have made sure that we had enough savings I would have made sure that we didn't we weren't just living you know paycheck to paycheck I would made sure that we had a certain amount of um, money in the bank I would have made sure that we had started investing in our retirement a lot earlier because it gets harder when you have children I don't want to be 60 and be relying on my children to take care of me I don't want to burden them with that but a lot of people don't think about that they just want to have kids because like it's the done thing it's the thing you're supposed to do it's like a rite of passage you get married you have children or you're 20 whatever now you need to have kids but what's that child's quality of life going to be and that's the honest question that people need to ask themselves with everything that's been going on um in the past uh, six years with your children etc do you feel like now you and your partner are both on the same page and you both have the exact well not the exact but you've both aligned your perspective on the way you give financially to your children? Yeah, I think we are, we're more reliant than we used to be. So, you know, when we first got married, I think we were very divergent financially in terms of our mindsets with money. And I wouldn't say that I'm more risk averse, but I'm definitely a bit more of like a calculated risk taker when it comes to, you know, making financial decisions. He's a bit more like, he's less risk averse, he'll jump on on an opportunity and just move with it. So we had very different perspectives on money. I think now, especially as of this year or last year with the pandemic and obviously being at home and really like seeing what's happening in the world and the impact of something so big on people's livelihoods, like people have lost their jobs and been made redundant. And it has really forced both of us to sit down and have some very difficult conversations about how we spend money in our home. What is priority? What do we want for our children? What do we want for ourselves? How do we financially plan as a family so that we can weather some, you know, a storm like you know another pandemic, heaven forbid. So we are getting closer and closer to being aligned but I would say that I am still probably the main person who like takes charge of what happens with our money and especially our children's money just because I feel like I am more rational (laughs) I, I think a bit more rationally when it comes to money so he's coming more to my side I think and not to suggest that my side is all the the right side but as I said this pandemic situation has really flagged to him some of his money assumptions that were probably not the healthiest. And it's also flagged to me that I need to be a bit more flexible as well. So we're, we're getting in a, 
to a place where we're a bit more convergent. But I'm still, I would say that I'm still probably the one that kind of makes the decisions on what happens with our children's money and what do we do? Like, what should we spend on them? You know, I'm the one that's like, oh, I think so-and-so should do, you know, chess club. And then he's like, okay, (laughs) he just says, if you think that's a good idea, fine. So um, so I think that's where I'd say we are right now. It's been very interesting hearing your opinion and it just makes you think, I wonder what me and Nick will be like when we're parents, like who will be who, who will be, I feel like Nick will be the one that wants drip and I'll what? probably be the oh. one that's a bit more. That's, that's not true, that's not that's, true. That's, that's my not perspective true. anyway, if you see yeah. his wardrobe. There's nothing like... wrong with drip by the way, there's nothing wrong with you drip know, as long as you can afford the drip. But if you can't afford it and you're killing yourself just to put yourself, put your kids in drip and, and you can barely like, you can't even buy them like bread from Tesco or something, <laughs> then you need to you need to reprioritize. Yeah, I feel like Nick would want kids in drip no matter what. <laughs> by the way, by the way, guys, just for reference, drip is like expensive designer clothing. Just in case anyone didn't know what drip meant. <laughs> I think I've learned a lot, and I think my perspectives have changed. Yeah, I do think you really do need to be financially capable before you have children. Wow, that was really great having um, Amy on the call. I won't lie to you. Um, I thought it was really, really intriguing how she planned their lives from, you know, zero to 21. I think normally from mm. what I know, people may- maybe plan from like zero to like when they go to primary school. But from zero to 21, that is some hardcore stuff. And it kind of like, you know, got me thinking. So I guess like I think it will be a good opportunity for us to talk amongst ourselves so gonna ask some very interesting questions and obviously everyone needs to answer as truthfully as possible so okay what would you say for example what would you do if a friend with like poor finances said they were trying for a child or maybe like for example they weren't in like a good financial situation but they were trying for a child what would you do what would you say i feel like no, let me hear your opinion first, though, because I feel like my opinion me, is going to be very... Me, con- yeah, okay, me, okay, okay, okay. Let me hear your opinion It's a first. difficult question, because obviously I'm going to project my own personal opinions. Um, but obviously I want to say a disclaimer, first of all. Um, things happen, obviously, if it's an accident and it's unplanned for, then, you know, you try and make do with, like, your situation. However, I think if you're actively trying... And this is my personal opinion. If you're actively trying to bring a child into a financially unstable environment, then personally, I think, I think that's selfish. I think it's selfish because then why are you doing that? You know, I I know that when I speak to other people and then they say, and maybe they're, they're not in a great financial position. And one of the biggest answers I get is, Oh, because I don't want to be an older mum when I'm picking them up from school. Or I want to get all of my um, children out of the way and then um, I can live my life after. And when I hear that reason, I'm just like, it's very difficult for me to um, comprehend because it's just like, okay, cool. Like you don't want to be the old, old mum, but you're going to put yourself in a very, very, very financially difficult situation. Like, look at um, some of the stuff that, the stats that was um, that, that I've seen. I think, how much do, does it cost to, to raise a child? I think um, an average child costs about 
thousand pounds for a couple and about a hundred and two thousand pounds for a single parent and then it says that if you add childcare into the mix that is anywhere from 150 to 190,000 pounds so for me that is I would say like don't do it don't do it don't do it don't do it what about um Eve, what do you think? I mean, I feel as though, um, first of all, that was average. So, of course, there's good people that can potentially spend significantly less as well as, of course, significantly mm-hmm. more as well. But I don't know. I feel like having a child is a very, it's not as black and white, like straightforward. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very emotional period of um, a couple's life. And I'm talking about trying for children. I mean, some people try for years and you're not able to have children or have to go for IVF or complications. Pregnancy in itself is not a straightforward um, time of someone's life as well. So I don't feel as though, I mean, yeah, of course, you need to be financially aware and you need to have like a baseline um, baseline level of being able to look after your child as in provide shelter. I mean, if we're just talking about fin- purely finances here, then we'll just provide shelter, um, being able to provide I think, you, yeah, shelter, food, those are the very, very basics financially. So mm. I feel like that in itself is it is enough and you just generally need to be aware of the potential additional costs. But I will mm. never say, like, for example, you said you had a friend who um, you felt like... No, I didn't say I had a friend. Oh, did you not say that? You said, you. oh, you've heard people say things like... Yeah. What did you say? That they want to have children because they don't want to be old when they're picking up their children from yeah. school or something like that. And I feel like maybe not everyone might tell you the real reason behind the reason why they actually want to have children earlier rather than later. Mm. You could be waiting years for you to be like quote unquote financially prepared. And then when you feel like mm. you are, then you realize, oh, actually it's, it's too late. My body clock has ticked. I'm not able to have children anymore. So I, I don't know. I feel like children is not something that's reserved for the middle and upper class. I don't know. I just feel like as an outsider, I don't think it's anyone's business. Like if you want to have a child, that's between you and whoever you're having a child with. I don't think any outsider should ever cast an opinion on whether or not they think someone else is ready to have a child because you don't know the ins and outs of what is going on between them. You like Not everyone's going to tell you everything that they're going through. So I just feel like people should mind their damn business. But then uh, I've got... I've got another argument as well. So, for example, I'm like a pharmacist, right? And um, I've worked in like a variety of different areas. So, like, and I've particularly worked in like, you know, low income areas. And sometimes I feel like some that I've witnessed have children because either sometimes they want extra money from the government. So I know that, you know, before um, any child, any child that you would have, you would get child benefit and now they've capped it. So some, you know, families, they'll have like six Seven. I remember I was speaking to um, a patient and they have eight children, you know, and they do that literally to get money from the government. So I understand like what you mean by, yeah, sometimes it's not our business, but then sometimes, you know, in situations like that, I think there should be some sort of like intervention, no? Um, You know what? I think the old me was would advocate for that view like this is going to sound so cynical but i remember i don't know if china still does it but they used to have the the two child policy the old me was saying that ah wasn't it one child policy the one child policy the old me was saying ah when i used to read newspaper reports about uh 
this these like couples or parents that have like six of so you know what the government should introduce a one child policy and then i yeah i used to believe that oh unless you're financially ready to have children you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have any children before then but life is not black and white you know being candid with my experience like during the pandemic um i was out of work for a period of time and in terms of like trying for a baby and everything it's like stuff happens you know and and i think who am i i'm not god i'm like stuff happens and you just don't really know the emotional things that happen in a person's life that may mean does that mean you should put your life on hold because x has happened so i'll give you an example right like this is just a role play example if for example you had some sort of illness that said by the age of um, 26 or 27 you can't have children and then you lost your job during that period mm-hmm. are you trying to say that you know what I'm going to forgo having children because I've lost my job or in a bad financial mm-hmm. position or do you tell yourself you know what why should I be denied the right because of this thing that's happened in my life if I was in that scenario whereby a couple both of them have both lost their jobs during the, pandem- the pandemic and they know they've got some sort of hereditary disease or illness in the family that says if they start having children by this age, there's a very, very high risk of them having disabilities. Of course, I'm going to tell them, have the kids, but I'm just going to encourage my friend, you know, the most important thing you guys can work on is just making sure your relationship is strong, that it will be a very difficult and turbulent time. But I'm not going to tell them not to have kids because they both lost their jobs and they're not they're financially incapable. That's just my own personal view that life happens. And because life happens, you can't dictate and carry these arbitrary money money principles that are because mm. there's no income in the household. You can't have the children. Oh, I, don't, I feel very strongly about what you just said. And the reason why I say that, for one, this is just my personal opinion. I don't feel like, like um, you have to biologically push out a child to have children. There's adoption. There's... Well, yeah, for one, there's adoption, there's fostering. I feel like there are so many other ways that you can become like a mum and dad. So it's quite in the situation that you said, if something happened to me where I literally have zero money and then it said by by, biologically by 27, 28, I couldn't have children, I would probably opt not to have children. And I would wait for me to be in a financially better position. And I would personally look into whether it's adoption or fostering. And this is just this is just me ways of having children because I'm not gonna bring a child in, into this world and then I physically cannot afford to put food on their mouth or for example, let's say God forbid something happens and then we end up homeless. Is so is my if if they ask me, oh mummy why why are we homeless is my excuse can say oh but i had to have you because i wouldn't have been able to have you um two years later you know i i get that you know but my view is that i think people in society should realize that you live in a governed state and i'm not going to go into political theory and stuff like that there's something called a social contract as Mm -hmm. part of the social contract if one you've lost your job or something has happened to you the state intervenes and helps you, you know? So I, I don't know, I don't want to go into it in lots of detail, but it's like, I'm no, I don't know, I, I don't know if there's statistical, there's statistical data, but I'm pretty sure 
going through childbirth and having your own children, there's just something there that you don't, I don't want to like trigger anyone. There's something there along versus going through the process of fostering children or adopting children. And just, just to add to that, like sometimes, like when you hear about people going through infertility, there's some people that are just like, oh yeah, why don't you just adopt? Why don't you just foster? But adoption and fostering is not just like, oh, you just pick up a child. Which one do you want? I want that one. Yeah, let's go home. <laughs> it's very expensive. It's not easy. Not everyone gets proved, um, approved for adoption as well. And even fostering, fostering is, is an issue in itself because um, you have to acknowledge that whoever, whichever child um, you care for, you don't know their background and there may be difficulties associated with that. You may have a, a child of a troubled background that you also need to be uh, competent to be able to look after as well. So mm. um, it's not as simple as just like, oh, just adopt, just foster. Like there's a lot of thoughts that goes through the whole system of fostering and, and through adoption as well. And adoption is not cheap. So yeah, just another thing to to consider. What were the other questions that you had? This is quite interesting to, Ooh, to get. Sorry, it's getting <laughs> yeah. a bit, it was getting a bit heated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask one more question. What do you think it means to be financially prepared to have children? Actually, let me hear your opinion first because no, I know you're. Last, last time. Okay, you know okay, what? Nick, again, Nick. again. Okay, no, guys, Nick. I'm just going to put it out here. I am a very. Um, logical and objective thinker so obviously you may not always like you know my opinion and you know what I say but I guess it's that's why it's my opinion but (laughs) um it's a tough one obviously we all know that it's not black and white life happens things happen but I I would say obviously there's, there's like a basic and then I'm gonna give my other opinion I would say somewhat um debt free so not like you know, up to your eyes in debt and then you're you're unable to do like, you know, basic things like pay like your utility bills and buy food. I would say that. I would say a stable residence. And when I say stable residence, it doesn't mean that you have to own your own home, but then all co- it could just be like a long-term um, lease or rent where you've got like a really good relationship with like your landlord. You guys are allowed to have kids in the premises and maybe you're, you're, you're looking to stay there for um, a long period of time. If you'd asked me a few years ago, I would have said that space is important. But obviously, now that we're in lockdown, there's no space. Space is not that important because there's there's nowhere to run to or go to anyway in the first place. And um, I would also say, like, having... Actually, I think, just like what, you know, our guest said, um, planning, like, your childcare or, like, your children's life. I know she said, she said that she planned it up until the age of 21, but... You know, I'll probably say like the first four to five years, an idea of what childcare would look like. But if I had to be truthful, I actually don't think there's actually a financial figure because anything could happen. You don't know what's going to happen when the child is born. However, I do believe financial preparedness for a child is a mindset. And when I say it's like um, a mindset, it's, you know, planning and executing with your partner in terms of like, you know, What's like your cash flow? What's your ca- your cash flow going to be like when you're having children? What are like the earning expectations going to be like when you're having children? What are you guys going to do career wise? And another big thing I would say is actually budgeting. What is your budget going to look like when you have children? You know, have you accommodated for, you know, the extra food, the extra clothing and even the, ele- you know, electricity is going to go up, gas and water, just things like that. I think mindset 
and planning as opposed to financial figure because you could save like 200 grand for your child and you can spend that if you haven't planned so that's what I think what about you um I want to hear Nick's opinion first I don't know Nick looks really um his facial expression <laughs> right now I don't know how to describe it he looks really upset no I'm, hear... not, no, no I'm not I'm not upset it's just more um but I guess maybe I used to have Ashley's view of the world and I just, yeah nick you used to say that we should um save for private school before yeah, yeah no no, <laughs> no i did i used to say that i used to say all those things and i now have the view that being financially prepared i agree but actually it's just the mindset and it's just having some sort of awareness similar to what our guest amy said having an awareness of the upcoming costs and if it means you're aware that you're going to go into debt be accept that you're going to go into debt, not whereby you go into debt, oh, things get hard, I'm going to walk out um, of the family, I'm going to quit, I'm going to run away. Accept the <laughs> fact that, no, it's true. Accept the fact that you, you know, I'm going to have children, I'm going to be in debt, I'm going to be, there's a lot, going to be a lot of financial pressure and accept that because in my opinion, you can never have the right amount. Anything can yeah. happen. Who, who would have predicted a pandemic? I, I read articles all the time now on like, style all the different publications and one of the circumstances usually oh as a housewife uh, my husband had a really good job he's now lost his job and now like all hell is broken loose no one could have prepared for that yeah so so based on that and based on that hindsight and perspective why am i going to put my my life on hold i just think you should have an awareness but i just don't think you, you can ever be financially prepare to have children yeah and i agree i think my opinion is maybe a bit of a mix between the two of you is in you should have a very very basic minimum um acknowledgement when it comes to your children but i wouldn't say as far as like if you know that having a child is going to put you in significant financial ruin um uh, where there's a chance that your child you and your children might be homeless then I think in that case, you need to probably reconsider and think if there's a way to mm. better create a better foundation. But yeah, that being said, I don't think my criteria is as high as Ashley is. And you just need shelter, um, food, and a certain level of flexibility to ensure that Wait, you work for what, your child. what criteria? I just... I said the same thing as you, Eve. I said stable. I just said... Yeah, but you, you said uh, like a long-term No, lease. reasonable amount of debt. And I said a stable residence. Yeah. So you say anything else? You were saying like a reasonable length of your lease or something along those lines and being able to pay for nursery fees and things like that. But I didn't say I didn't say anything about nursery fees. Oh, I just said planning please. like the childcare for the first four to five years. That childcare could look like anything. Oh, right. Like, okay, like, sorry. You know, a, a grandparent looking after the child, just planning it at least. Oh, okay. So I misunderstood. But um, yeah, so just shelter, food, um, love, of course, warmth, la, 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 la. But financially speaking, um, and also just uh, an element of flexibility, and that can come in so many different ways in order to be able to put whatever that child's needs are before your personal needs and before your wants as well. So as long as you can mm. do that, then I feel like, um, yeah. Think about it. But I think I think it's been it's been an interesting conversation. I think what I've learned, and I think the most important thing you can do, like if you do want to have more than two children, is start saving. Yeah, you know? ideally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing. We've all we're all aware of childcare costs now. You know, <clears throat> we're all aware of childcare costs that it can be almost as expensive as private school fees. 
you know? So like, if you have it in your mind, you want to have more than two children and you're not, or you're not even happy with your um, current circumstances or your family dynamics, then I think you have an element of responsibility to a certain degree to ensure you don't replicate that in your own life. Um, so I'd say understand what you're financially capable before you you set out to have a child. But at the same time, I'm not going to be black and white. Everyone's gone is going through something in some formal way. But be financially aware. Be aware of all the government uh, benefits and incentives that you're aware when it comes to uh, looking having children, whether it's tax credits. Be aware of that. There's vehicles out there. You you have your junior ISAs, ISAs. and something I've learned more recently is what uh, you have your bear trust. And if you don't know what a bear trust is, it's just a less rigid uh, vehicle you can use to save for a child. Where because you have to factor into consideration that. With the um, GSAs, the child can only access that by the time they're uh, 18. But when you have to take into consideration private school fees, childcare fees, a bear trust may be a suitable vehicle to use. Yeah, so to round up the episode, as always, guys, we're going to provide resources. So you can head over to Zerpa's website uh, for additional resources on just government support to help if you're trying to have a child. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs on Instagram at moneymedics.